Truth News Network. A politician on the campaign trail once said, we choose truth over facts. I don't need to mention any names, Joe Biden. But if you think that statement is reassuring, you're probably not going to like what happens next. Because you're in the home of blunt force truth, of conservative thought, not just talk, of facts that are truth. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And here's Dan Newman. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. (laughs) The president had to weigh in. On what Pete Moss had to say in the intro. Hello, everybody. It's me again, and I've got this mess again. I apologize. I got to be honest with you. I'm not so sure we need to do this entire show today. This has got to be tough for you listening to this gravel for two hours, and I appreciate you coming. Those of you that are here, I really appreciate you coming. Don't take that for granted, and uh, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But sometimes, folks... (laughs) There are things you can't avoid, and I have no clue what started what I'm dealing with, and I certainly don't like the fact that it makes it tough to communicate. There's a really big need to communicate about things today, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to start this this hour, and I'm going to see how it goes, and uh, if it gets beyond the ability or capabilities to listen and hear and understand, and uh, the gravel doesn't blow you away. We'll just carry it as long as we possibly can until we get to that point, if we do get to that point. Well, how was your day yesterday? Thursday. It seems of late. Thursdays really become big days in news around the world. And I think here's the reason why. I think what happens is when there's something big coming out of Washington, D.C., maybe they know it's coming up and they've got a chance to get out in front of it to kind of play it down, you know. If it's a Biden administration, they don't like statistics to be thrown out there that make them look bad in any way. And I got to be honest with you, there are no statistics out there that make them look good in any way. But sometimes I think what they do is they pressure the media. Hang on to that. Don't release it until after 5 p.m. Eastern time on Friday afternoon. Why is that? Most Americans just shut down for the weekend. I mean, we're looking for at least a couple of days of release from the insanity in Washington, D.C., right? And we take that every weekend. This is Father's Day weekend. So there are a lot of things that have escaped our vision, purposely hidden from us. I'm sick and tired of that, but it happens. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to get right to it. I want to talk to you about some things that uh, are making... um, some big differences, really big differences. Mike Johnson, congressman from 4th District, Louisiana, he addressed the U.S. House of Representatives yesterday, and he weighed in on um, what the January 6th committee is really about. And I think you're going to hear what Congressman Johnson says in just a moment. You're going to put it in perspective of what you have been beaten over the head with by left-string media and Democrats now, for over a year, put it in perspective and listen to some factual input from Mike Johnson, our friend here at TNN Live. Good morning, everybody. I'm I'm Mike Johnson of the 4th District of Louisiana. I'm the vice chairman of the House Republican Conference. We're delighted to be with you this morning. Uh, There are a lot of things on the minds of the American people, and it's really not January 6th. 
Democrats have enjoyed unilateral control of Washington for 17 months now. And we all know the results. Everybody can see what, is, what has been wrought by that. We've got record inflation, soaring gas prices, unhinged crime in our cities, and uninhibited illegal immigration. And in the midst of all of that chaos, what are they focused on? What, what gets their primetime billing? It is their seething hatred for Donald Trump and anybody who's ever supported him. That's what comes through in all of these hearings. For nearly a year, you got to think about this, the January 6th committee, for almost a year, they have invested thousands of hours, millions upon millions of taxpayer dollars. They've interviewed hundreds upon hundreds of witnesses. They compiled 100,000 pages of documents, and they hired lawyers, consultants, and big network TV producers. All for what? To rehash and replay a moment-by-moment -moment dissection of a terrible event that took place a year and a half ago. They thought the American people would be riveted by their production, but the ratings are in, and we know the truth, that the ratings have proven what everybody else already knew. The American people lived through all that, and they have moved on. They moved on to caring about the issues that actually affect their daily lives. The, the, the criminals involved in January 6th are being prosecuted. Lessons were learned about capital security that day. And the Senate produced a bipartisan report of the events over a year ago. The truth is this. The Democrats could hire an army of broadcast media executives to try to boost their ratings, but it will not change the simple facts. This election will be about three eyes and really nothing else. Inflation, illegal immigration, and incompetence. The utter incompetence of the, Washington's, uh, of the Democrats in charge of Washington is on full display now. If the Democrats want to reverse their political fortunes, they need to reverse their policies. But of course, we all know they refuse to do that. And so hardworking American families will continue to struggle as our country becomes less safe, less secure, and less stable by the hour. I'm grateful to my colleagues for joining us this morning to discuss the myriad crises facing our country that are taking a back seat to the Democrat reality show. I want to yield the podium uh, to my good friend, uh, the gentleman from Arkansas, Mr. French Hill. Uh, we're not going to go there. We just wanted you to hear what Mike Johnson had to say, his analysis of what is consuming the Democrats in Washington. Look, folks, here's the way government is supposed to work, especially our government. We elect people to go to D.C. to serve in that U.S. House and the United States Senate representing us. The Senate, from its very inception, constitutionally, was structured to weigh in on legislative matters that pertain to the states from which they're elected. Originally, they weren't elected. They were appointed by governors. But when politicians found out, hey, if we can campaign, if we can run for office, we can get all kind of money. And so they themselves changed the rules. And so senators are now elected. But they are supposed to still represent what goes on in their respective state. Members of the House of Representatives, they represent the people from the congressional district in which they live and who elect them to go to Washington, D.C. If we, if Americans, would demand from every one of those people that fill every one of those seats in Congress, if we would demand for them to stop doing this insane style of governing, which is not governing at all, but to begin to 24-7 work your butts off for the American people that you represent and forget about 
partisan hacks, lobbyist pressure from all kinds of people regarding money, 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 people like George Soros, and he's not the only one. There are hundreds of others and corporations that see using money as an opportunity to sway the opinions and the legislation that is presented, debated, and passed by the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate. Until, listen to this, if you don't hear anything on this show today, until the American people really stop saying we've had enough, but begin to take actions that say we have enough. We don't need any more of this. We've seen enough. And we stop, got to stop politicians from raising money to campaign. Now, how do we do that? It's real simple. Control it. Make all outside election campaign contributions illegal. Now, what do you mean? We, the people, need to set up an infrastructure for that very fact. We need to seed the different elections for which people run around the nation. And I'm talking about the federal level, the state level, the parish or county level, and then the city or town level. We need to devise a plan that diverts all campaign dollars broken up by those different places where people run for office and come up with a percentage of all of the money that comes in and allocate it out for campaigning. Everybody gets the same amount. Everybody gets the same opportunity, and nothing in that process can be touched. It has to remain that way, and the people that are running for office are not allowed to know who donated into that pool from which they're getting some campaign money. Now, isn't it stupid that we have to even consider such a plan? You would think that these people that are supposedly endowed with so much intellect, so much want to, to take care of the people in their states and their districts, that they ought to be all over that. Look, I don't want the money. I'm up here to serve. They all tell us that. But how many are really up there to serve? And how many are up there to get? The love of money is the root of all evil. That's not going to change. It's always been there. As long as there are men and women, There will always be love for money. And money's not the root of all evil. I hear people misquote that scripture all the time. The love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, decisions that are made, ideas that are formulated, created opportunities, those all birth from that root planted in the ground, which is the love of money. Let's switch gears. Have you been shocked at all at what you're hearing from President Biden? It just blows my mind. We're in the worst shape this this nation's ever been in economically. Ever. Ever. We don't even realize how bad it is. We're in a recession. I'm telling you we're in a recession. They're just not telling us that we're in a recession yet. And we're very close. 
we're on the rim of the deep, dark canyon of depression and looking over right now. And almost every bit of it comes from what this administration has done. You cannot spend money that you don't have and expect there to be no consequences for it. It doesn't work that way. And it's not just here in the United States. It's unilateral. It's universal. Governments, governments in free nations were not created and are not supposed to function as money machines. We're supposed to facilitate the distribution of taxes that are paid by the populace. The part that is earmarked for federal spending. All they're supposed to do is create these plans, pass these legislative measures, and then when the money comes in, disperse it according to the legislation that's passed by the people's representatives. It's way, way simple. But not only does Joe Biden refuse to take one ounce of accountability for anything bad that's happened in the nation since he's been even campaigning, everything is bad, belongs to someone else. Who's he blaming? He blames the evil pariah state Saudis in Saudi Arabia. He blames Vladimir Putin for pretty much everything. And he blames China. That's everything, folks. Every bad thing we have. We now have interest rates on the rise. That's Vladimir Putin's fault. We're having or approaching of having food shortages. That's China's fault. That's Putin's fault. He's invaded Ukraine where most of the fertilizer in the world comes from. Our farmers can't get fertilizer. They can't get their crops growing. So it's on Xi Jinping in China, Vladimir Putin in Russia slash Ukraine. Um, Who else can you blame it on? Oh, those evil Republicans. They won't pass any legislation. They don't want to craft legislation for this nation. I used to think that Joe Biden knows better than that. I don't think he does. I honestly thinks that Americans really approve and like what he's doing and how it's impacting them. Why would anybody continue down that road if they honestly thought that it was bad and it was bad because of what they're doing or not doing. No good leader ever would. I think I just hit the nail on the head. Good leader. So yesterday, Joe, as he always does, he's got to find a way to shift some blame and change narrative. So what did he do? Well, he gave Vladimir Putin a rest yesterday and he moved the blame for the high price of gas and diesel and fuel oil. He took it off old Vladimir. And now, who's at fault? Big oil companies. White House is now shifting its blame for rising fuel prices from Putin. Oh no, it's shifting it to big oil. Watch this. We are calling on them to do the right thing, to be patriots here, uh, and not to use the war uh, as an excuse or as a as a reason uh, to not put to not put out a production, not to not do the capacity that is needed out there, uh, so that the prices can so that the prices can come down. 
Oh, we need an expert in the oil industry. We found one. His name is Stephen Shork, and he's on the screen right now. Okay, Stephen, do big oil companies bear any blame for this spike in oil and gas and diesel prices? Uh, the oil companies do it, and the answer to your question is no. They, they, they are not gouging. It is you have Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, uh, the McCarthyites uh, when it comes to uh, price gouging. Uh, President the other day singled out Exxon for its egregious uh, $5.5 billion profit that it reported in the first quarter. The company also paid $2.8 billion in taxes. So I think that's pretty patriotic. Now, when we look at those earnings, Stuart, when we look at the profit per sale for each dollar, Exxon's profit on that $5.5 billion was 6 cents for every dollar of sales. Okay, so now you take a $5 gasoline, you go out, you fill your 20-gallon tank, Exxon, it's costing you $100 a barrel, uh, $100. Exxon of that 100 keeps $6.2. New York State on June 1st, upped its gasoline tax to 29 cents. So on a 20 gallon tank, New York State's walking away with $5.80. Now you add the 18 cents that the federal government takes and they're collecting $3.60. So on that $100, $6.2 goes into Exxon, $9.48 goes to the government. That is not a windfall profit, Stuart. I think you've made your point very well there, Stephen. Next case, headline in the Wall Street Journal. Is $6 a gallon gasoline nationwide next? What do you say, Stephen? It's a race, Stuart. Uh, do we get to $6 before we hit the severe economic downturn? Because we are going into recession if we're not already here. Uh, uh, three years ago, a worker had to work 2.5 hours to fill up a 20-gallon tank. Today, they have to work 3.7 hours, a 48% increase. We have never gone into, we have never avoided a recession uh, when we have had such egregious uh, spikes in both energy and food, which is what we have now. So recession is a foregone conclusion. Okay. The rate hawks, so forth. So do we get to $6 before we hit a severe recession? It's a race. But okay. at this point, we would need to see oil prices at about $130, $140 to get there. It's certainly within the realm of possibilities at this point. Stephen Shulk, thanks very much for being with us. Isn't it interesting when you hear somebody that's knowledgeable, that knows about something instead of just pontificates about something like this guy. I mean, this was an expert and he laid it out so simply. Why doesn't somebody in the white house press briefing room today, when Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, when she gets up, why don't Peter Ducey as an example, use these numbers. The president keeps talking about all the profits. Those evil oil companies are making. Well, they're not just sitting there on their butts and passing it out around the corporate boardroom table. No. They're sending a huge amount, billions of dollars in one quarter, to the federal government in taxes. Joe doesn't tell anybody that. In fact, the Democrat Party, the leadership across the board, they tell everybody in America, these big corporations, they don't pay any taxes whatsoever. Just because they make a lot of money, they control the rules and they make the rules that give them a pass on taxes. Not true. And you just heard an analogy. The two entities that make the largest percentage or take the largest percentage out of gas, a gallon of gas. And we're talking about the companies that drill for it, transmit it to the marketplace, refine it, 
put it in those tanks, and then we pump it into our cars. Of that, every $1 or every $100, the oil companies who, they fronted all the money to do any of that, they take $6. And the states and the federal government combined take twice as much. I bet you never heard that. I had heard that, but I didn't have any access to an expert like you just heard with Stuart Varney to be able to justify that. Now you have the facts. The big evil oil companies are some of collectively the biggest taxpayers in federal income taxes. Some of the biggest, if not the biggest in the United States of America. And so what does Joe Biden do? When he gets backed into a corner, somebody calls him out on some of the lies that he tells, like, you know, we have the fastest growing economy in the world. We're not even in the top 50 when the facts come out. And everybody around the world has higher inflation rates than do we. We have the highest inflation rate in the nation. Are there really people out there that just swallow everything he says, hook, line, and sinker? Yeah. They are. They're out there. And it's sad that those people that put all the information together for Joe Biden to share when he's doing an interview, a press briefing, and by the way, he did an interview with Associated Press yesterday. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But when he does that, none of them ever ask him a hard question. And if he answers it with one of those stupid and untruthful things that he's he's saying all the time. They don't question him when they know. He's not telling the truth. And remember this, what does he say when that kind of thing happens? You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Yep, you're going to get name-called. president's going to call you out a dog-faced, lying dog-faced Pony soldier. (laughs) I have no idea what the heck that is. We'll hear that. We'll probably use it here for life. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And Joe, he's just not a good communicator. And that's really sad because in his heyday, his younger days in the Senate, he was a great spokesman. Now, I'm not talking about the content that he shared. I'm talking about the fact that he presented himself. And when he was dealing with ideas, he did a good job there. He's not a good communicator anymore. You know what I'm talking about? My grandpapa's name Ambrose Finnegan. As kitchen table, I learned. My ears to say, my ears to say, Joey, nobody's better than you, but you're no better than anybody else. Maybe it's the Scranton and me. I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Worried about where they can make next month's mortgage payment. Well, it is what it is because he is who he is. That's why it is what it is. He is who he is. You know, remember when he went on, he decided he was going to convince Bob Woodward what a smart guy he was. So he went on, yeah, smart guy. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure, isolate, and punish China. Folks, true international effort to pressure, isolate, and punish China. Donald care. Donald Trump thinks health care. Well, I'm sick and tired of smart guys. I got to admit, 
I gotta admit, it's all within our power. It's all within our power to send every single person qualified to community college free. To community college free. And if I keep going, you're gonna freeze your fingers off. It wasn't, it wasn't. Donald Trump had to deliver on a damn thing he said he'd do. True and international over to pressure, isolate and punish China. Joey, nobody's better than you, but you're no better than anybody else. Maybe it's the Scranton and I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I don't, I don't want to be accused of making fun of him. And the reason we slowed down those phrases was a futile effort to be able to understand the actual words he was saying. I, I was able to catch what Cunity College was all about. It's just short for community college. But some of the other stuff, oh my gosh. <laughs> He's just a lion, lion face pony soldier. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Hey, listen, we're going to weigh into some important things next. Make sure you sit tight here. Stay with us for at least the next half hour. We're going to make it back right after this. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. Dinner, dinner, dinner. Every day you have to think of what's for dinner. Well, now Subway has a solution that is sure to please every person you have to feed for that last meal of the day. It's called Dinner Tonight. Every day after 4 p.m., Subway is offering a Dinner Tonight special, which includes two regular 6-inch subs, two bags of chips, and two 21-ounce fountain drinks, all for just $11.99. This offer is available all day long on Sundays. Subway of Kodiak. Eat fresh. It seems like every summer starts with a song. Maybe it's one we heard on the radio during our morning drive. Or maybe it was playing in the cafe we ducked into for lunch. Wherever they catch us, certain songs seem to take us away. Songs of waves and sand, of forests and hillsides, of growing up and growing old. Songs that get in our heads and make us smile as we hum them to ourselves. Songs of the sun coming up and the ragtop going down, of friends we just met, and the ones we'll have for life. Songs that define the moments, like the ones we find in Michigan, where we take our someday list and start to check things off. A day spent gliding on a sailboat, floating on a pontoon, and climbing over that next hill. 
a rhythm that takes us somewhere better, somewhere like pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Some kind of wonderful. Oh, it's a wonderful Friday. I'm glad you joined us. Hey, did you notice that uh, Joe Biden hosted a little get-together last Friday, and it was about electric cars? Did you see it? I, uh, I heard it was coming, but I didn't hear any noise coming out of the media after that happened. Maybe it was because it was on Friday. And so what it really was was a climate change forum at the White House. And in that, he called for a transition to electric vehicles. Of course, that's to help reduce America's dependence on oil. Russia's war is driving up prices of gas, Biden said. Everybody knows that. Hurting people in all of our countries. The virtual conference featured some of the world's biggest economies. China, Germany, Saudi Arabia, the United Kingdom, and the European Union. He talked with several world leaders and um, his administration's climate change czar, John Kerry. He called high gas prices around the world an immediate problem that he's focusing on, but he indicated he would continue pressing for Americans to purchase electric vehicles. Over the long run, he said, we can remove the pain of volatile gas prices, reduce transportation emissions by putting more zero-emission cars on the road, he said. He set a goal of half of all passenger cars sold in the U.S. to be zero emissions by the year 2030. The good news, climate security and energy security go hand in hand, he said. But he also boasted he's coordinated the largest release of global oil reserves in history to help reduce gas prices. Now, let me, let me just give you the inside skinny on that. Do you remember the debacle about the oil reserves, our strategic oil reserves under Donald Trump? When it looked like we really needed to get some oil out into the marketplace, Donald Trump and his energy folks, they went to the strategic oil reserves and they were planning on popping it. Well, guess what? There wasn't any in there. Barack Obama and Joe Biden had pretty much drained it. So, Trump saw the gas price at the pump go way, 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 way down. And when it got there, he reached out to Congress and said, hey, we need to allocate an emergency allocation of a bunch of money so I can replace those oil reserves while the price of oil is cheap. Of course, Congress said, no way we're going to do that. But anyway, he worked around it and got it done, built back up, and he bought it at ridiculously inexpensive prices. So here comes Joe Biden. Joe Biden comes back around. Joe Biden and every other member of the Democrat Party that have any role in leadership, they are looking for one thing and one thing only, opportunities to get dollars and cents that's necessary to continue their sliding the nation down towards the pit of totalitarianism. And you got to have control. And how do you get control? You control the money. They're looking for ways, any possible way, to get money in their hands. So Joe's bragging in that thing on last Friday to world leaders. It was a virtual 
get-together, and he's bragging about what he's done with our federal oil reserves. Now, you would think any president that was doing that for the American people, he would brag about doing it for the American people. Oh, look what I'm doing. I'm giving this. He didn't give away one gallon of gas. No barrel of oil has been given to anybody. Let me tell you what they're doing. Those millions of barrels of oil that have been released on his watch from the strategic oil reserves, they're selling them. The federal government is selling them to oil producers at rack rate. Forget about what they paid for. He could give that or give it dirt cheap, but no, 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 no. Some of that stuff was purchased by the federal government for as little as $35 a barrel. And they're pricing it when they put it back in. Joe Biden, Jennifer Granholm is energy secretary. They're pricing it at rack rates. So what is rack rate? More than $3 a gallon now. Where's that money in the middle going? I can tell you where it's going. You'll never see it. We will never see it. It's going into what I call the government gar hole. Now, let me tell you what that is. Many, many years ago, I, I used to bet a little bit on some football and some baseball games. Had a bookie in Monroe, and I can't remember his name. Really good guy. And he was the biggest bookie in all of Northeast Louisiana. And I, there's no telling how much money went through his hands every week. And um, he was pretty quiet. The only way you could get to him is on a telephone. Talk to him if he got to know you and you wanted to play some bets and when you lost, you paid him promptly. It was all good. I asked him one time, what was his name? Was it J.R.? I can't remember, but I asked him one time. I said, man, doesn't it scare you to have money? We're talking about on the weekend. You get a lot of money. People bet Saturday and Sunday games. By Monday morning, you've, you've got a lot of cash usually. Where do you keep it? And he said, I keep it in my gar hole. And I'm from South Louisiana. What happens often, garza is a, uh, a very ferocious fish. And it will kill its prey and will take that prey and bury it down low where other gars and alligators can't get to it. And that's called the gar hole, the place where he buries it. Here's what I'm telling you. Joe Biden learned from Barack Obama how to activate and use a federal gar hole. Listen to what I'm about to say. Do you remember at the end of uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden's first term in the, in the office, Eric Holder was the uh, attorney general. They aggressively went after banks for mishandling, doing unethical things, illegal things, little bitty things, but popped these banks international banks, most of them, but there were some American banks for billions of dollars, all fines, all fines. I'm saying tens of billions of dollars. Where did that money go? What I'm going to tell you now is fact. Not a dime of it went to the U.S. Treasury. Not a dime of it went to pay down our debt 
It was all tucked away in Barack Obama's gar hole. Now, how was it spent? Well, creatively. Let me give an example. And what I'm telling you is documented. It's fact. You can find it. We've actually published it years ago. Um, here's what they would do. When Chase, and I'm just using a bank name, they got popped for a billion dollars in fines. Eric Holder was a bag man. He'd go meet with them, and he'd say, look, you owe us a billion dollars. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to make you pay the whole billion. You just pay $250 million to the federal government. And the other $250 million, or $750, you're going to pay that. But we're going to give you a discount, so only pay half of it. So basically what they did was they cut it from a billion to half a billion. And some of that went to Barack Obama's gar hole. And the rest of it went to not-for-profits around the nation and around the world that Obama directed those payments to go. And what bank wouldn't jump all over that if they got a 50% discount It happened again and again and again. Documented. How much from the gar hole went where? We'll never know. Very carefully disguised. None of that came out until about halfway through the Trump administration. People had been covering their tracks, and it's really difficult after the fact to go back and find all the facts and get evidence. I will bet you on this deal that's happening right now regarding the strategic oil reserves, there's hush money and payoffs going on under the table for that because Biden is not selling that oil at the price that the American taxpayers paid. And by the way, at that point, it became ours. That oil became ours, not Joe Biden's. But the profits from the sale by this administration, ask your lawmaker, where's it going? Ask the question and see if you can get an answer. You may get an answer, but I don't believe you'll ever get evidence to back up what you're told. So we don't like to talk much about Joe Biden's climate czar, John Kerry. Why? Because he's an empty suit. He is a hack. He's in the tank. He is a, uh, he's a multimillionaire because he married a multi-billionaire, Teresa Hines Kerry. Her first husband was the founder of Heinz, the ketchup and barbecue sauce and a bunch of other products. And she's filthy rich. And when he married Teresa Heinz Carey, he, uh, he, was, he was a pretty aloof, kind of braggadocious sycophant on pretty much everything. Anyway, he got some money and he just got intolerable. So Twitter jumped over him, all over him yesterday. They reacted to Kerry's assertion that the U.S. absolutely does not need to drill for more oil and gas in the middle of this ongoing energy crisis and record high gas prices. Lambasting Kerry for being out of touch and for prompting a strategy that isn't feasible. Kerry was speaking at an event hosted by the University of Southern Cal's Center of Public Diplomacy on Friday last week. 
railed against fossil fuels. He hates it. Although he and his wife, they own a jet charter company. They charter private jets. They have a fleet, at last count, of 15. Not a single one of those jets, including the ones that John Kerry uses to fly around the globe, not a single one of them runs off of battery power, electric energy. They all run off that evil fossil fuel. (laughs) We don't need to drill, he said. We absolutely don't. And we have to prevent a false narrative from entering into this. Well, the false narrative is, is that we don't need it. He doesn't need it because he has all the money he needs. Joe Biden doesn't need it because he's got all the money he needs, legitimate and illegitimate. Most of the Democrat members in the House and the Senate, they don't need any more money. They pretty much have all they need. But what about you and me? How long can you continue to pay $5 a gallon for gas without making drastic changes in your life if that had not happened already? Average Americans don't relate to this, and they don't care. They don't give a rip about average Americans. If they did, this and resolving this would be job one for them. When Joe Biden, when he shelved, well, he didn't shelve it, he trashed the XL Pipeline Project. The governor of whatever district the beginning of that pipeline was to begin to get the Canadian oil reserves flowing down through the central part of the United States to our ports at uh, Houston and New Orleans for distribution around the world. Even after that happened, that leader of that province in Canada said, by now, this was a couple of weeks ago, by now, Canada would be able to send directly to the United States 900,000 barrels of oil a day. These people don't have a clue, and they make it up as they go. Let me tell you a story. I heard this yesterday, and this is a true story. A man talking to a lady who just bought an electric car. I mean, an all-electric car. Forget which one it was. And so she left the dealership, and she stopped somewhere along the way, ran into a guy she knows. And he said, wow, that's a pretty car. Yeah, she said, that's that's my all-electric car. I am now free from having to use fossil fuel, polluting the world, and wasting all that money, and just polluting the environment and all the problems fossil fuel causes. And he said, well, how do, you, how do you get the car to run? And she said, oh, we have a charging station at home. Uh, came when we bought the car. They put it in. We just plug up to it at night. Well, where does that electricity come from? Well, it comes out of the wall. Well, where does it come from to get to the wall? Well, it comes from our power plant. Oh, okay. Yeah, it comes from the power plant. Um, by the way, where does the power plant get the electricity? Well, they, they buy it from somebody else. Well, no, they actually don't. They create it themselves. 
And do you know what they created, what they used to create it? Coal. (laughs) Joe Biden, John Kerry, Jennifer Granholm, they keep talking about transitioning away, transitioning away. You just heard a, a bit a little go about Joe Biden last week saying by 2030 he wants every car in America to be negative with fossil fuel and all positive in electric cars. How do you make electricity? Well, we've got wind and solar. Well, we don't have enough. A transition means you come up with an analysis, an educated analysis. Here's what it takes to run the nation every day. Here's the power we need. And you get real numbers. And then you look at what your capacity is today to produce with solar and wind. And those are viable. I get that. I don't have any argument with it whatsoever. But if we were just talking about powering only cars, no other power, just cars, for the cars that we have on the road today, it would require solar panels that covered completely every square inch of the United States that's west of the Mississippi just to produce enough energy to power our cars. Don't even think about our trucks, our railways, our buildings. Joe Biden doesn't have a transition plan. What they're trying to do is force Americans to give up, throw in the towel. We're tired of it. Tell us what to do. And he's got a plan. It will always be spending more money, more taxpayer money. It will always be about going after those, demeaning those who they say are evil corporations that don't pay taxes, which is untrue. It's false. Just like he says, we have the lowest rate of inflation on earth, we have the highest. He says, our economy is the strongest rebounding economy in the planet. We're not even in the top 50. His cries about fossil fuel being horrible, it's not. What is horrible is they're using the American people as pawns to find ways to get this new thing going, this really cool thing. We can get off those fuel cars and we can get on zero emission. That's what they love to say. Zero emission. But Joe Biden, he doesn't tell the truth about pretty much everything. And when it comes to economy, folks, he never, he never tells the truth. He never does. And I just don't understand how he gets by with it, especially mainstream media. The president's speech to the AFL-CIO was nothing more than political spin. I think it was dishonest, and that's putting it nicely. His statements on the economy and inflation were, frankly, unbelievable. He won't win the confidence of the markets or voters if he's not honest about the crisis we're facing. He said America is doing better than anyone else on inflation. That's not true. We have a higher inflation rate than Germany, France, Japan, China, India, Italy, and, yes, Saudi Arabia. Where's the president getting all this inaccurate information? 
On the economy, he said, 20 million Americans have lost their jobs under the last guy. That would be Trump. Of course, he didn't mention that the whole country was shut down, out of work, by COVID. He said he'd created 8.7 million new jobs in 16 months. No, he didn't. That was people going back to the job after the pandemic. He said families are carrying less debt. Sorry, credit card debt is now exploding. He doesn't want to hear any more of what he calls lies about reckless spending. Lies? It is not a lie to suggest that spending trillions gives you inflation. He was saying all of this on the day his administration announced a shocking 10% inflation rate in business costs, a record high for diesel, $5 gas nationwide, and eye-watering grocery bills. His audience, working people, suffers the most from this inflation, Biden's inflation. I think the jig is up. It was a dishonest speech. Voters know it, and the president's credibility is done. Voters do know it. Most voters do know it, and every day they learn more and more about it. You know how? Because it's digging into their pockets. It's not Joe Biden that's paying more at the pump. It's the American taxpayer. And we're paying for ourselves, but we're also paying for these uh, diplomats, these uh, elected officials, that when they're on company time, and company time is U.S. government, we pay all the bills. We pay all the bills. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to let you listen to that speech from Ronald Reagan that I was supposed to play yesterday coming out of a break, and I completely forgot about it. And you're going to be lifted up when you hear that. But I'm going to go to break by uh, making you mad. Every weekend, every stinking weekend, almost without exception, there is a charter flight. It's not really a charter. It's a a U.S. military plane. It's a Gulfstream, which is a $60 million plane, and it's been slightly converted to be used by the airport to transport dignitaries uh, around the world. It it will hold 13 people, and it costs $5,000 an hour to fly or to sit on the ground when it's not in use in D.C. for military. Every weekend, almost without exception, that plane leaves Washington, D.C. and goes to San Francisco with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and whoever else she wants to bring along with her. You and I, we have paid that price ever since she's been Speaker of the House. Her predecessor and the predecessor of that predecessor, Republicans. They didn't fly private. They flew commercial. Pelosi, she's eating at the hog trough with the rest of her fellow hogs that somebody else is paying the bill for them to eat at that trough. And the ones paying the bill or American taxpayer. That's another fact. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. I'm Papa John, pizza maker. The quality of every ingredient is important to me. Like the sweet, juicy pineapple and pulled ham hock that refreshes a pizza classic. Introducing our new premium Hawaiian, another Papa John's original. Like all our pizzas, it comes with Papa's quality guarantee. Try something new with a third off your order. 
Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. Hey, it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to polandspring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up, 700 milliliter, 1 liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles. ABC Tonight, it's all about Big Cash. Here we go! And Big Crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me the money! To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your cart, get set, yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The following is an important time insensitive announcement from Staples. Now for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now. Or later, because these Staples Everyday Price Cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These Everyday Price Cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing Everyday Price Cuts. Thank you. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. You all, every one of you, know somebody that has figured out through the years of their lives that you always get better response when you make somebody feel good about themselves. I look back at my childhood. I, was, I have one older brother. It was just two of us. He's four years older than me. That means in the neighborhood, he ran with kids that were uh, older than me. My friends, we were all the punk kids, the little brothers. And so we were treated that way. I had a person in my life that looked at me and didn't see me as a young, fledgling man that was trying to find his way in life. Man's name is Roger Robinson, speech teacher my freshman year in high school. And uh, I was I was not real smart. I was an average athlete. Um, I say I wasn't smart. I made great grades, but you know, grades are not always about being smart. Book smart and life smart. I was way away from life smart. But he challenged me, and he challenged me, even beginning at fourteen and fifteen years old in my life, to look at people differently. Don't look at them trying to figure out with your default situation as what's wrong with them. You know, why, you know, what, what, ask legitimate questions, not real questions, but think through and find people in your life that are worthy, that are good people, that have successes. They look to find the best in others. When they do something wrong, they quickly take responsibility for it. And sometimes when someone else does something wrong, 
these people will purposely take the responsibility, even though they didn't do it, they'll take responsibility for what somebody else did. It's called Paying It Forward. You remember that movie, good movie. President Reagan was wonderful about looking at American people, citizens in the United States, many average everyday people. He did this when he was governor in California. He gets to the White House, he just got a bigger bully pulpit, but he didn't stop doing it. And man, he could lay it out there. What a great speaker Ronald Reagan was, especially. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it 
sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. The 40th president of the United States, Ronald Reagan. That was back in January 1981. Boy, how times have changed. But you know what hasn't changed? The need for Americans to start looking for and expecting to find heroes, real heroes, people that give in and don't expect anything in return. That's what the true heroes in our lives, that's who they should be. And you know what? We should strive to be that kind of person ourselves for others that are in our lives. I must be honest with you. (laughs) I can't go any further today. I could, but uh, I'd probably crawl out of the studio. (laughs) I'm sorry, that wasn't a cough uh, to show you that I've got a, a situation in my chest and throat. That was a tickle. So listen, tomorrow, our Saturday bullet points will be up as normal. We're going to have a great weekend. Listen, you dads, let me tell you, I'm one of you, and I am so glad that we share something that is wonderful in common. We father children. We perpetuate our generations, our families. We're pretty good. We're pretty good people just because of who we are. We're all different, but we share things. We have commonalities. And I want to say, dads, have a great Father's Day. Squeeze your babies. Moms and wives, hug on your husband. (laughs) No, sometimes it's hard to do. We mess up a lot, but we're genuine. Uh, In most cases, we're genuine. We're doing our best. Have a great weekend. We'll be here bright and early. Doesn't matter what happens. We'll see you Monday morning, 9 o'clock at TNN Live. You have a great weekend. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel, got to go round. Talking about your troubles, it's a crying sin.
Let the spinning wheel fly. 